Welcome to Coffee with Jamie, a show about how to get unstuck from some of life's stickiest stuff, like burnout, divorce, loss, and more. Here is your host, Jamie Finney. Hello there. (laughs) Welcome and thank you for joining me. This is Coffee with Jamie, a show about getting unstuck. And I'm your host, Jamie Finney. How is everyone doing today? Turns out I have a a couple of listeners, so I feel like I'm actually talking to somebody today. (laughs) Thank you if you're listening live. Thank you if you're listening uh, later via podcast. Also, thank you. I am feeling a fresh start to a fresh morning out here in Las Vegas. I'm full of hope and optimism. Really good mood today. Um, And, you know, bonus, the tech side of everything went really smoothly today. So shout out to Matt on the engineering side of this show. Um, Woo! (laughs) It's feeling good. All right. Well, this is the seventh episode of Coffee with Jamie. And today we're going to talk about step six go the distance. I'm going to talk all about what that means, but first let's talk about coffee. Um, Victor F on Instagram wrote in and said, I see you like taster's choice coffee crystals. Have you tried swift cup coffee? Um, He says it's a specialty instant coffee and I think you might like it. Victor, I have not yet tried Swift Cup Coffee. I've actually never even heard of it, but I am definitely going to take a look into this and uh, see if I can get my hands on some. That's the funniest thing though, Victor, you're the second person this week to mention my like of Taster's Choice. So I think that's that's fantastic. I love it. I just got Victor's message this morning before the show. So thank you for that question, Victor. Um, I, I haven't tried Swift Cup Definitely going to look it up, give it a try after the show today, see if I can find it and and figure out where to get some. And uh, what I am drinking today is a really nice Don Francisco's Kona blend, something I I kicked out on the Keurig. Um, I tend to have like two or three coffees I rotate through until they're gone. So, you know, you buy like a box of the Keurigs. I, um, I actually, quite a few years ago, got rid of my regular coffee pot, just trying to simplify everything. But I am feeling like I want to bring that back into my life. Like the, you know, just the, the old carafe where you, you know, make a whole pot of coffee, that kind of thing. I'm feeling like I want to go back in that direction. Um, you know, I don't really like to overcomplicate things, but I do, I appreciate a range of coffees, you know, from Taster's Choice Instant Coffee Crystals. Yes, I like them. Um, I like 7-Eleven coffee, gas station coffee in general. Um, and I, I like I like finer coffees. I've had some really delicious coffee out in Melbourne, Australia. Um, great coffee culture there. So, if, you know, I've tried some great stuff and I, I've had some great coffee experiences, but I also like keeping it simple. So anyway, yeah. So today it's a Don... Francisco's Kona blend. It's one that I like. Um, I, I tend to, you know, go through those boxes and then I probably repeat a lot of the same coffees on this show, but that's why is because, you know, you buy a box and you just have it until it's gone <laughs> and then replenish the supplies. Um, but then also I have a mug memory for today. Um, my mug memory for today is my fun spot mug. Uh, my husband, Ken, and I were retro arcade arcaders. I don't know if that's a 
proper term, but meaning we we love to play retro arcade games, you know, the old cabinets from the 80s and, and such. Um, we also love visiting arcades when we travel. So, and then we're collectors of our favorite arcade cabinet games as well. Um, you know, our thing is like, we try not to collect just any games. We don't just buy a game to have the game. Um, or just because it's cool, but like usually it has some sort of personal nostalgia or meaning. You know, like I like Qbert; it's one that I remember playing as a as a kid. Um, Burger Time, Frogger, stuff like that. And Ken has, you know, he has a few. He's got like the the Funhouse Pinball and um, Donkey Kong's a big one for him. So you know, there's like we try to get the ones that have personal connection. Anyway, I don't mean to derail too much from the mug itself, but speaking of video games, right? So this um, this mug that I have today. So Ken's family is from New Hampshire. They're from the New Hampshire area, and for several years before the pandemic took its hold on the planet, we used to uh, take the girls Sophia and Zia and travel out to visit his parents who still who live out there, and um, take a couple of days from visiting them. We would drive up to Laconia, New Hampshire, where there is a very awesome arcade called Fun Spot. And they've got like multiple levels of games. And well, Ken and I love the floor that's dedicated to all the older games um, from like original first ever video arcade cabinets to to the 80s, to the 90s, you know, stuff like that. Um, but my kids really love all the midway style games that give tickets. And so we all get we all get sucked into playing like the the ticket games too with the girls. And so like basically you end up spending like $40 on games that, that pop out a few tickets every now and then. And then you, you go down to the ticket shop where you can redeem like a thousand tickets for a $6 mug. <laughs> so that's, that's like, um, my mug from today came from exactly that kind of experience. Um, it was exactly one of those like hard-earned tickets from one of our family arcade adventures to Fun Spot in Laconia, New Hampshire. And you know, every time I have it, it's just such a cute little logo. I will post this to my Instagram. Um, quick note on the mug memories, by the way, somehow my last week mugs memory, the Swift conference one, it didn't end up on my Instagram feed. It got stuck on the upload. And because I've been really lagging on my daily posts on the Instagram, I actually didn't even notice until yesterday that it it was still just sitting there with like a red error message failed to fail to load or whatever. So I'm going to post that one before I post my fun spot mug. I'll go back. They'll both be there eventually. But if you're tuning in on my Instagram feed um, and you're like, what the heck, Jamie? Well, that's what happened. So um, yeah, don't give up on me. Don't, don't give up on me <laughs> over there. Um, but yeah, they'll both They'll both get there eventually and lots of coffee doodle journaling and other things in between. But sometimes technology and I get along awesomely and sometimes we do not. So, all righty then. So let's recap last week very briefly before we dig into Go the Distance. Um, last week, we talked about step five titled Action Packed, P-A-C-T, and what that is in summary is making a pact with someone or a group of someones 
um, something bigger than you alone, and committing to a specific action in a well-defined time window. So this is really, really where you, you get out of your own way and do the work. One example of this for me is in the month of March, every day for 31 days, I will post and share a coffee doodle and a journal entry to my Instagram doodle journal. Um, Even though I've been doing the coffee doodles on and off since 2011, I try to go all, let's take take away the, the word try. I do go all in every March for all 31 days that prior to last year, 2021, I used to do it on my personal Instagram, which is at Jamie Jamie. But um, I was encouraged by some friends to give Coffee with Jamie doodles their own space in Instagram. And I, I did it as well in Facebook. So I did that last year and it gives me a place to not bombard my regular Twitter and Instagram you know, followership with these doodles because not everybody's into them. But um, last year, I think I've mentioned this in prior episodes of this show, but last year they became a lot more personal. Like they've always been just kind of a, a thing I do while I'm on calls or whatever. I'm apparently a slob. I spill coffee. It dries into these little stains. And then when I have a call later, I, I see these little creatures and I draw them while I'm doing other things, basically little doodles, right? Past the time doodles. But last March, it became more of a a journal um, about the parenting stuff I was struggling and working through with Zia, almost like talking to my daughter Zia through these doodles um, in ways that I couldn't seem to get through to her, you know, one-on-one in person. And so they became a real, uh, (laughs) my voice gets so shaky every single time, darn it. they became a real personal outlet for me. And so um, I've, I've maintained them. I've kept up doing them all year long since last March. And I don't do them consistently every day. I try to do at least a doodle and a quote, like an inspirational quote that kind of reaches where I'm at or how I'm feeling. Or when I look at the coffee doodle, it makes me think that they're not all parenting moments anymore, but last March they were, and I have a March coming up here very soon. And I want to bring it back to that personal level again for this March. And so I don't know what story will be unfolding in my life in March, but that's going to be my action packed. And you know, the packed part is I'm making this commitment to you right now out loud. You're my community. You're my support system, whether you meant to be or not, but I put it out there and I commit to it and I, I do it every day for 30 days, 31 days in March. So that's what will happen on my Instagram Um, And if you're interested in following along or participating even, I encourage you to go over to Instagram and look at Coffee with Jamie. Um, Again, my name is spelled J-A-I-M-E-E, two E's just like coffee. And you can find me over there. Um, I'll have all of my contact info at the end of the show as well, but it's a fun fun way to do stuff, right? So the action-packed lets you put that commitment out there. And you might be asking if you've been following the steps that I've discussed in each episode um, prior to this one of this show. So you'll you'll have done a really good job at setting yourself up for success by the time you get to making an action pact. But you might be saying, well, what's the difference between this and tiny challenges, which was step four? 
Well, I see, I see tiny challenges as a little bit more like cross training. Like it's sort of like practice to getting to bigger actions and bigger steps. And my coffee doodles might be tiny challenges in one capacity. When they're a tiny challenge, I keep it limited to whatever I can do in two minutes or less. So that to me defines a tiny challenge. My action packed is usually a bigger deal. So like with the journal entry, it requires more time, more thought, more personal essence, if you will, um, to, to actually make it more personal and to, to do a, a journal entry with it. So that's just like taking it to the next level, your action packed. Um, yeah. You know, the tiny challenges allow you to chip away and practice and, and, and kind of like course correct along the way um, with just small, small micro steps, but the, the action packed is bigger steps. And I don't know, for me, it takes it takes a lot of trial and error, but once you start to do the the tiny challenges, you build momentum and then your tiny challenges, it, it feels like for me, I start to grow out of them. I need more, you know, more stuff or bigger things to take on. And, and then, you know, eventually they become too big and unwieldy and then you got to start over. But the, you know, taking, once you take the bigger challenges and you do start to find yourself falling off or failing or missing the mark on your goal, um, this is where step six comes into play. Step six is go the distance. All right. So I have a little story about how I even learned the term go the distance. And it it goes back to when I was feeling quite lost, um, one of the darkest places in my entire life when I lost my dad. You know, I lost my dad to a motorcycle accident. I've talked about it in several episodes, but it it set me on this real downward spiral. I became disconnected with my work. I felt like I needed to be doing something more meaningful with my life than making digital products for big tech companies. And, you know, I really struggled not just to get out of bed, but to even justify opening my eyes each morning. It was a bad, bad spot. Um, And, you know, I've mentioned this, but I was an independent mom at the time. I had started dating Ken, but it was still relatively early in our relationship back in 2012. So, you know, he didn't live with us at the time. It was me and my two girls. And I was going through all this stuff. And many of those days, the only thing that got me out of bed was getting my daughters off to school so that they wouldn't have to to see me. They wouldn't have to be around to witness me feeling what I was feeling. That was the motivation. I didn't want to infect them with whatever it was I was going through. And so I would muster the effort to get out of bed, to to get up, to get them, you know, out of the house for their school day so that I would have this time to just deal with what I was going through. And it's a hard thing to admit, but that's how I felt. I didn't want to infect my kids with whatever I had. And, and, you know, it felt awful. So through this state on the good days, I'd find myself thinking a lot about my dad and, you know, the loss was still quite fresh, but my dad was a a Vietnam veteran who struggled a lot with PTSD and I think, I, I know I've touched on that in previous episodes as well, but my, my sister and I, my sister's four years younger than me, but we, um, 
We visited our dad on many occasions inside the mental care units of veterans hospitals. So like that was the side of my dad where he seemed like a pretty normal dad. I think externally to people who knew us, he worked in Vegas, owned his own company, owned a sand and gravel company here in Vegas um, for many of my high school years. And then, you know, he'd come home on the weekends and like, I think we seemed fairly normal from the outside, but the reality was sometimes he'd be gone uh, 30 or 60 days, he, he would be sometimes self-admitted for, for help into these veterans hospital programs. Um, and sometimes he would get into some sort of trouble, uh, confrontations or whatever with, with folks and, you know, have a court mandate to spend some time, a 30 or 60 day program in one of the VA hospitals. But often he was on the self-admitted side because my mom would tell him, like, if you don't go get some help, like you're in a bad state right now, we're going through, you know, one of the, it's always ebbs and flows. Um, and, you know, he, he'd be in a real bad state and she would have to say, you know, like you, either you get help or we're out of here and I'm taking the girls and I'm, I'm out of here. And as long as he was always trying to improve, she stayed. And ultimately, until her passing, about 10 years prior to his passing, she, she stayed she, right there with him, you know. And um, for much of my life, while I experienced the fallout of my dad's PTSD, I also saw a very good man trying very hard to improve himself. I saw the effort of constant self-improvement. And um, my dad really loved, like he loved motivational speakers and writers like Napoleon Hill. And he was, he was always listening to like self-improvement cassette tapes and reading self-help books. And um, he gets super excited about different things and he'd share a lot of them with me. I think my sister was a little too young at the time, but I remember this like around the age of 12, 13 and through my teenage years, um, you know, I was the middle kid and sometimes I felt like the replacement son after my brother passed, but my dad would share with me all these books that he'd read and, you know, he'd give me one, he'd be like the, you know, seven habits of highly effective people and um, positive mental attitude books and, and stuff like that. But like, you know, he would share basically everything. Um, I remember he would share cassette tapes with like nature sounds and you're supposed to play them at night while you sleep. And they supposedly had like positive subliminal messaging baked into them. And you kind of like in hindsight, I'm like, wow, I hope that's what I was listening to. But I would play them. I'd listen to them in the night. And I think I actually turned out to be a fairly positive person. So maybe that factored in, um, you know, not without my struggles by any means, but most people tend to comment that I seem to be a very fun and, uh, positive person to be around, which is great. So I, maybe this all, all these things that my dad shared with me probably had something to do with that. But so I'm almost, you know, I almost always participated in whatever he had to share. And even though I didn't like all of his motivational self-improvement choices, especially as I rolled into my teenage years, I became a little more critical and even embarrassed of a lot of his self-improvement efforts. Like, have you ever had your dad drive you and a couple of your friends like 20 minutes to the movies with Morse code lessons blasting on the car stereo. 
So yeah, that that was the kind of stuff my dad was doing. <laughs> I'm going to learn Morse code via audio cassette tape. Um, so those are the kinds of things that like at the time as a 15 year old girl or whatever with friends in the car, I would sometimes just be like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. But, um, you know, I view these things through a much different lens now, of course, but, you know, I didn't fully appreciate all his efforts at the time, I guess is what, what I'm saying. But thinking about his efforts while I was in this really tough space, it got me really thinking about inspiration and how not all systems and methods work that work for one person will work for another. And that's why it's great to listen to how different people solve different problems because, you know, like my six steps may or may not work for you, but, you know, I like to share what worked for me because it has worked. Um, but how I got there, you know, is all of these stories. So I, I started really thinking, you know, maybe what worked for my dad, it, it might not work for me, but he was on to something. He was on to the constant exploration. And I, I saw him, you know, look for the things that inspired him. And so I, I started searching what inspires me. Well, the movie Rocky has always inspired me from the time I was probably seven or eight years old. The movie came out in 1976. And if you haven't seen the movie Rocky, um, starring and written by Sylvester Stallone, which is completely separate, but equally awesome story in its own right. But the movie Rocky, this show is going to have some spoiler alerts. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, I recommend you pause this podcast, go watch the movie Rocky, and then come back and finish this episode, okay? Because I don't want to spoil it for you. Um, it's a really worthwhile movie to watch. But so basically, here comes the spoilers if you're um, if you're new to Rocky. But it, it's an underdog story. It, you know, Rocky is an unknown fighter. He's selected by this heavyweight champion Apollo Creed to basically do like an exposition fight. The heavyweight. Apollo, he picks Rocky for his name, the Italian Stallion. Um, but he has he has pretty low expectations about the actual fight. But Rocky trains hard. He's scrappy. Um, and and so, like on one of my my good days, right? I find this story very inspiring. And on one of my good days, I decide I'm going to put the movie Rocky on and just you know feel inspired. Um, and so I'd seen this movie at least a dozen times throughout my life. It's a movie I knew well, I know well, but you know, at this time I, I knew it very well already. But this time, for whatever reason, this one scene just it really hit home with me more than ever than any other time I'd seen the movie. So there's a scene where Rocky and his his lady, Adrian, they're sitting in bed. Rocky's up and he's kind of like sitting at the edge of the bed and he says to Adrian, like, I can't. I can't beat him. Like, like I'm not going to beat this guy. Just, you know, and she's like, oh my God, like, what are, you know, you've been working so hard. What do you mean? Like, you can't beat him. And he's like, it's what I'm realizing. And I'm kind of paraphrasing here in my own words, but what he, he's saying is, you know, I'm recognizing that there's no way I can beat Apollo Creed, but it doesn't matter if I lose this fight. It doesn't matter if this guy opens up my head either, because all I want to do is go the distance. 
Nobody's ever gone the distance with Creed. And if I can go the distance, if that bell rings and I'm still standing, I'm going to know for the first time in my life that I'm not just another bum from the neighborhood, he says, you know? And, and so like this moment between Rocky and Adrian, for whatever reason, it really registered with me at that moment. And, you know, so Rocky, he fights the fight and yes, he was pummeled by, by Apollo Creed, but he fought hard. And even though he does not win, like you kind of always expect the underdog to have the glory of winning in the end. Right. But winning the fight was not the battle that he won. I mean, he won in one aspect, but he didn't win the fight. Apollo wins the fight, but he took hit after hit. And he kept getting hit and he kept getting up. And at the end of 15 rounds, Rocky was still standing. And it was that moment that I knew I had to stand up. Like I was fighting my own Apollo Creed. This darkness was my Apollo Creed and he was stronger. He was more skilled. He was beating me up. And in, in this is where six um, step number six really kicked into effect for me. Go the distance. It was time for me to go to the distance. And I had never really looked at it from that perspective. Um, you know, I think growing up, I'd always been taught, like, you just keep fighting, you just keep fighting. Um, but there were times, there are times when you don't have any fight left. So what this looked like for me in this moment was iteration, course correction, picking myself up again and again, even when I believed I had no more fight left to give, I learned that it, it just wasn't, it wasn't always about fighting, but standing, about breathing, about reminding myself I'm still alive. And if I have breath to give, that's enough fight for the day, for this moment, right? That's the fight. It's just breathing. Just keep going. That's the fight for today. So another brilliant line from, uh, Rocky Balboa, which is the sixth movie. So kind of bookending the whole saga here. Um, you know, that, that moment, the go the distance moment comes from the first movie. Rocky says in his sixth movie titled Rocky Balboa says it, it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. And, you know, like, I think in my, my own experience, um, Sometimes life throws these unimaginable punches and we get knocked down over and over again. And what I have learned over time and through like kind of identifying in, in boxing, um, you know, what I learned from Rocky is that go the distance in boxing means exactly what Rocky did. It's to go all the rounds of a fight and still be standing when that final bell rings. And as it translates to life, when those punches come, you get to define what winning means to you today, right now, in this moment. Sometimes winning just means that you're still standing when the dust settles. It just means that you got through this moment. It means that you got through this day and you're still alive. So sometimes that's what it means. So woo, to me, this is a heavy one, but it really is. It's all about, you know, again, iteration, course correction, picking myself up again and again. And, and so like, I found myself, like I'd make these big 
action packing, you know, a tiny challenge my way into bigger actions. And then something happened, you know, a left turn or whatever, like things happen that knock you off your game. And you really have to kind of reevaluate where you're at and, um, and figure out how to navigate it. And, and for me, like looking at the six steps, going the distance means like, okay, I've run into a wall. Something has come in and, and I like to say wrecking balled, like it wrecking balls me off my course. And I need to figure out how to keep moving despite being completely thrown off the track I thought I was on. And sometimes getting back on the same track is not the answer, right? And so, um, so interestingly, I'm going to fold the community piece of the show in a little early today because excitingly, it's, it's going to tie back in. So don't, I'm not leaving you hanging here, but um, this is the part where the community piece of my show is, is where I get to share your stories your questions, thoughts, and really anything you'd like to share or ask on the topic of getting un- unstuck, ideally, but you could talk about coffee too. <laughs> so so um, I received a, a couple questions this week, which is super exciting because, well, for a couple of reasons, but like one, because there are real listeners out there and I'm getting real emails and you're starting to reach out and holy macaroni, like that to me, that's exactly what I wanted. <laughs> so thank you. Um, you know, Thank you. Like I, <laughs> all right. So, so that's exciting to me that, that folks are actually sending emails. Um, I'm getting more reach outs through Instagram, which is also awesome. Um, but the other reason, like in addition to just knowing that there are real people out there listening and starting to communicate with me um, is because my answers for both of these questions, well, one of them is very short. So I decided to include two um, today. And the, the, the second one is the one that will tie back, um, into what we were just talking about. So the first question, the community question here, um, Leah C on Instagram asks, how long have you been doing your coffee doodles and are any of them available for sale? Um, Leah, I actually talked about this today already, right? I've been doing the coffee doodles since 2011 and currently I don't sell the individual doodles. I'm working on it, but photography is like a really big challenge for me with these. Um, Like actually getting a nice photo. They look great in Instagram, but then, you know, it's Instagram, you use the filters and then automatically the resolution of the photo drops. So it's not great for like printing outside. So I'm trying to figure out that process and, and getting great photos with great lighting of something that is essentially a coffee stain with some chicken scratch on it. Um, but I do, you know, I appreciate the question and I am working on that. So, um, what I do right now is if you buy one of my books, which does not have coffee doodles in it, I include a coffee doodle artwork in the package. I've been doing that with every single book that I've sold on my site, um, coffee with jamie.com slash books. But yeah, so anyway, so Leah C on Instagram, that is your answer. Um, no, not yet working on it, but if you happen to buy a book, you're going to get one of the coffee doodles with it. And, uh, yeah, if that isn't a shameless plug to sell a book, I didn't mean it that way. (laughs) That's just how it's going, how it's unfolding. So um, yeah, anyway, the next question, thank you, Leah, for your question. I really appreciate that. And thank you for, you know, for following along my my coffee doodle journal. (laughs) I appreciate it. 
Um, my next question comes through email from Deborah S. Deborah asks, what happens after step six? Do you just keep starting over? Deborah, yes, this is an excellent question. So um, I want to kind of dig into like the hindsight aspect that I have. So hindsight is what allowed me to see and refine what I'm doing into these like six actionable steps. The first time I started working through these things, I just referred to it as designing my life as if it were a digital product, because that was the only process I knew at the time. You know, I knew I had a process that worked for making successful digital products. I knew that I, um, I had that skill in my tool set and And I figured like, if I have success at this, then maybe the same tools can apply to my life. And and so I started applying that process, which is very parallel to my six steps, but it's this hindsight of the last decade that has really shown me that I have a process, um, you know, while parallel to designing a digital product, it's allowed me to kind of simplify it and boil it into what I call my six steps um, for getting unstuck. And so, you know, I guess to kind of like talk through that a little bit more, it's, it's like, I didn't know that I was going through these six steps necessarily when I started, but now looking back, I can say, okay, what, what did I do to get where I I got? Right. And so like the first time I, I started working through stuff, it was like, I look at step one, which is um, the compass of intention, and it was about defining the things that are important to me. What's what's important, you know? And I, I made my little list of seven things, and as I had the clarity of those seven things that are important to me, then I started realizing, like, okay, my my next step was like goals. Um, I call those step two, big bulky desires. What do I want? What does it look like? write it down, get really clear on what some of my goals are. But in that process of defining goals, make sure that the goals that I'm choosing actually align with um, with the number one, with the compass of intention. Like if, if I choose something and, and I did mess up on this, like along the way. So in that, you know, looking back at the last 10 years, early on, before I, I had defined it as big bulky desires, I was just I was like, okay, I maybe income, right? Like income is a big as, aspect of survival. And like in my mind at the time, I thought, do I need to have money? Does that need to be something that's important to me? Or is that more of a goal? And I was trying to kind of figure out where it belonged. Does it, is it a compass point for me? Or is it a big bulky desire for me? And so how it landed in big bulky desires is I actually prioritized the money thing for a short period of time. I took on against my gut and against my better judgment. I took on and not a bad client by any means, but a client who, oh, I don't even know how to say this. Okay. So I took the project on, I was hesitant. I was still in the depths of burnout and kind of repulsed by the idea of doing digital products, but the money they offered was ridiculous. So I was like, wow, 
I should probably do this. And I had just closed out another like year long project. I had the freedom to choose, but I, I was like, well, I could you know, keep bulking up my savings if I take this on and, and buy myself more freedom. It seemed logical. Did it really align with my what's important? Not really. Like it was, it was really about money more than anything. The project that it was, you know, while I'm sure it has value for some people in certain contexts of their life, I don't want to ding anybody's product or put it down, but it didn't really like contribute to the well-being or happiness or joy of the world in any capacity. It was just another digital product that helped, you know, efficiency of 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 purchasing to. Yeah, to be direct. And, you know, I, I like I helped with it. I have experience with that. And somewhere along the way, the person had a significant other uninvolved in the project, but who had referred me for the project, but who kind of came in like six weeks into the project to give feedback. And the feedback was very derailing. And it was one of those things that I knew when I took the project on, it had the potential of it happening. I tried to clarify you know, like, Hey, this can't happen, but it happened. And it was one of those things where I was at the moment where like, I either need to stay in it for the money or pass it off to somebody who wanted to help them realize the new direction, the new vision. And, and, you know, it just, I realized it wasn't for me. I had taken this job on for the wrong reason. Um, and, and to me it derailed. And I think it was because I had prioritized the money. Um, when I have, this is a tricky thing to say because sometimes you need the money, right? Like money is an important aspect and a reality of the life that we live. And I don't want to sound ignorant to that. I'm very aware of that. And I've, I've been in a lot of positions of struggle um, throughout my time. But what my dad really instilled in me is that even if you have to live in a tent, nothing is worth taking on for the money. Like he really instilled that value in me. And because I have almost always made the choice of doing something that felt right, not for the money, for reasons beyond money, for personal reasons, for, you know, self-care reasons, um, taking a job after I left Zappos um, with a company, Black Pixel, they they said, what would it take to get you to come work with us? And I laid out what I needed. And most of it was about owning my time and having autonomy of time, not having to sit at a desk from nine to five and drive an hour each way. That was what I was trying to get away from. And they offered me that flexibility. And you know, the money part came as sort of a, an added bonus and was everything I needed and more. And you know, so it was like I had took a job at that point in time that was about supporting these other needs. And because of that, the money seemed to happen as a result. And I I can say in every experience that I've had, even when it's been really risky, really risky, like I may not be able to pay for this roof over our head or some food or groceries, but I have to take this risk. And, And I've been very lucky to have it pay out, um, to, to, to work out. And, you know, um, so I guess just acknowledging that, that maybe that's a lot of luck. It's, it's also been a lot of, you know, I, I worked hard to build a skill set that's very marketable and, you know, and it, it, it gives me a lot of opportunity. So I think, 
I think that there's value in acknowledging that as well. And the skills really come into play and giving me options to choose. So anyway, I guess kind of going back, like what happens after, after six, six, step six, do you just keep starting over? Yes. So, you know, sometimes you go down a path and you realize it's for the wrong reason. I took this on for this reason. It really doesn't align with any of my compass of intentions. It belongs under, maybe it belongs under a goal. Maybe you need to get it out of here altogether. And so that was a really, that one experience that I talked about taking this one project on for dollars um, and then ending up, you know, still civil in the relationship. It wasn't like uh, drop the mic and just walk out. I, I would never do that to a client, but I knew I needed to pass it on to someone else. So I was able to connect them with somebody who could help you know, who was interested in the gig for the gig and in helping them finish and who I could pass it off and know would get them where they needed to go um, with a job well done. And so, you know, I would never just leave somebody hanging, but I knew it was time for me to go. It wasn't aligned with where I wanted to be headed. And so it was a really valuable lesson for me to learn though. And it was kind of going back to like what my dad had already always said, you know, it shouldn't matter if you have to live in a tent. Like, you have this um, home that you worked to, you know, you work to pay for and to keep the lights on and all that stuff. And um, so far, so good there. But like, if you were to lose it all today, um, you're going to probably figure out how to be all right. Like you're going to survive is the the lesson my dad taught us. And yeah, we um, definitely had some scrappy moments in our, our growing up, very scrappy, never had to live in a tent, but I know my dad did, um, growing up. And so he knew, he knew exactly what that was like and that he was going to be all right. He survived it once he could do it again. you know. <laughs> and, um, and so that's where it comes from for me is like, when you can put that aside, it allows you to take more risk and to be more bold. And you may not be ready for you know, everybody has their own level of, of risk and, and what you're willing and able to do and to take on. And so, ah, boy, it really kind of comes down to that, but yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> so, um, I, I really love that Deborah asked that question. I, I think, you know, when I go down that path and where I meant to go is yes, I, I, you know, go down a path. I make a decision. I follow through. And then sometimes I realize I'm on the wrong path and I have to go the distance in, in some capacity or other. And where I see going the distance is sometimes where you decide, am I iterating through this or do I need to step off altogether and start over from the beginning? So let's reconnect with that question there with Deborah's question. Do you just keep starting over? Yes. Like I have started this process over many times. And like in that process, you know, the first time it was like, I left this career that I had, wasn't sure what I was going to end up doing. And I ended up, you know, doing more coaching and advising, teaching things that I had learned throughout my career to other folks, um, that I could teach valuable skills to, um, corporate environments, designers, developers, um, career path, um, a lot of systems and structure to improving how design and UX and content strategy works within organizations where those things might be new um, or more technical and you know not integrated well. 
anyway, so I started focusing on that and that became like sort of an evolution of my career. And then, you know, kind of going through those six steps again, you know, I, I had built time for myself. I designed the dress. I told the story of picture this clothing and how that was formed. And that was really formed again by starting from ground zero with the six steps, looking at what's important to me. And that list really hasn't changed in the last decade since I formed it the first time. All I did was I moved one thing that I had on there off the list because I realized it didn't belong on the list. It was a goal, not a value, if that makes sense. So that's the difference to me between step one and step two. Step one is values, step two is goals, and they are different. And so um, the values guide me. And once I made some decisions, I was able to like own my time suddenly. And then I made this dress for my daughter. And then it launched a whole new career because Ken, you know, saw a greater vision for it. We decided to go for it, um, put some eggs in a basket and see what happened. Right. And then it unfolded into this entirely new career um, for me. And I did that for the last five years. And then the pandemic set in. And if that didn't, you know, cause you to step back and reset, you know, that was like, do we go the distance on this or do we step back and assess the situation and maybe take a completely different course of action? And that's what we've done with picture this, you know, picture this is still humming along, but it's so slow. It does not sustain us, you know, financially for one thing. It, it's actually, you know, we have to put money into it to keep it going. Um, and so we are keeping it going as long as it doesn't, continue to cost what it cost last year. Like right now it's kind of, there's a almost a break-even point happening. Um, but yeah, if we can kind of keep it at the break-even level, we'll keep it going. If, if it doesn't make sense to keep doing that, we will eventually shut it down, but let's just ride it out. But well, the decision we made to do, which we go back to looking at our compass of intention. Um, you know, Ken has his, I have mine, but we're very aligned in that. And that's what makes us a good couple, right? So we have similar values and similar things that are important to us. And, um, you know, doing things that are scary is one of those values for me. And so, yeah, we look at where we're at. You know, what's scary is losing everything you've built to dumping money into a company that is not looking very optimistic for survival, right? And so we're going to keep it going. We keep the lights on, but let's step away from it and get some new, big, bulky desires. Let's look at the ones we had, the ones that are in parallel. Ken and I have a lot of crossover. We have a lot of business ideas. So he and I are working on a couple together. He's doing some independently. I'm doing some independently. We have a lot of like irons in the fire, so to speak, right? Um, but this is us stepping back and starting over through those six steps. And, and yeah, so we're kind of on step three um, for two of our business ideas, right? So we, um, our values remain in place. Our big bulky desires are like, hey, here's a business idea. Here's a business idea. And here's a business idea. For me, I have book two finish this podcast season, you know, a couple of those things independently. Two of the things I'm not going to share publicly yet, but I will be blogging about them in the next couple of months as they unfold and as we near our launch 
ready points with those two business ideas. I'm very excited about them though. And um, But we're breaking down the things that prevent us from launch, right? And how to get to launch is to chip away at those tiny challenges. We tiny challenge our way one step at a time to chip away at getting to these big bulky desires. In order to do that, we had to identify, confess, and address what is stopping us. Okay, this obstacle, this is a thing we need. This is a person we need. This is a skill we need. This is a, you know, a purchase we have to make or whatever it is, or a license we have to get or a whatever it is. We have all of these. These are the, the confess and address. These are the things that are holding us back from launching right now. And so we are chipping away at those together. And, um, and that's how you get there, folks. That's it, right? And, and our action pact is together with each other. So we do that and then we kind of connect together. Um, yeah, we put it out there in slow increments as we're ready to share. But um, man, that's how it works. And I think that's what I mean by, do you, you know, when I answer Deborah's question, do you keep starting over? Yes, I start over all the time. Um, whether it's little things like trying to work out regularly or eat better, make better eating decisions, drink more water every day instead of just what my body can extract from a cup of coffee. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's everything like that. These six steps can apply. And, and I do want to remind you, um, that reaching out, if you reach out, like I had, I had three reach outs last week, Deborah, Leah, and Victor about coffee. Like, I'm so excited. And so, you know, I want to remind you that reaching out doesn't have to be overly personal or deep. It can be any range on that spectrum that you decide. You can reach out about coffee like Victor did. You can reach out about coffee doodles like Leah did, or you can reach out about like do you have questions about the six steps? Are you trying it? Is it working? Um, are you trying it for tiny challenges? Maybe are you doing something fun? Um, something at a more surface level just to get, you know, kind of moving. Are you making a list? Do you have goals? I don't know. I would love to hear what you're working on in, in any capacity. It doesn't have to be super heavy and deep. And I know I, I do share a lot of personal stuff on this. I feel like being open and honest with you, sharing my story is how we can connect. You know, um, I do get a lot of folks when I talk about the loss of my mom, for example, I do have a, a journal entry from uh, my Instagram. The one that gets the most likes in all of my feed is one that I did about the loss of my mom. And it wasn't a sadness post. It was just a moment of remembering her and acknowledging my mom passed away when she was 53 years old. I am 46 years old, and the closer I get to the age that my mom was when she passed away, it's like a mortality mortality check, right? It's like um, I, I gain more understanding about who she was as a person. And, you know, I was 27 years old when she passed away. I was young. I didn't have kids. I didn't understand a lot of what she went through. She lost her oldest child when he was 15 and I was 11. Like, I mean, she went through so much. She dealt with my dad, a, a Vietnam veteran with severe PTSD. And the things that my mom held together, like, I can't even imagine how she was able to keep it together as well as she did for not just for my sister and myself, but for herself. Like, she always put everyone before her. And I, I try to take a lesson from that. Anyway, my post was 
acknowledging that the closer I get to the age she was when she passed away, the more I feel like I understand her. And my post was just to acknowledge like, mom, I appreciate you and I miss you and, and thank you. And so, yeah, that's a, that was a, that was a nice one. Anyways, I get a little deep and heavy. Sometimes I do talk about loss. I think the struggle that we go through as people, like we don't see all of that on Instagram all the time, right? Like we see the highlights and the beautiful points, but we all go through really real stuff. Life, just like Apollo Creed, you know, pummeled Rocky. Um, life will pummel us sometimes. It will not let us catch a break sometimes. And we have to figure out, you know, like sometimes the success, sometimes winning is breathing and just opening your eyes one more day. And then that's the success. And you have to feel good about that sometimes. All right. So you don't have to keep it that big or deep or personal. You can keep it light. You can keep it fun. You can keep it friendly. We can do that here. I like that. I just like that you're reaching out. That's the most exciting thing to me. I love hearing from you. And so if you would like to reach out to me, I would like you to go to the show link on my website, coffeewithjamie.com. And that's J-A-I-M-E-E two E's, just like coffee, I before the M. Um, You'll scroll down a bit on that show page. You'll see a big fat email button. You'll poke around there a little. You can also find my social media links on there. But um, And then always, 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 if you reach out, let me know if it's okay to share. Um, I don't have to share everything, but if you're okay with me sharing, please let me know that. Please let me know how you'd like to be addressed. If it's a social media handle, first name, last initial, And then that's how we'll do it. However you define it, that's how we'll do it. I like to mention this special note that the Coffee with Jamie show is in no way to be uh, intended as any sort of mental health counseling or any type of psychotherapy or medical advice. The information I offer is based on my life, my work experiences, and the purpose of this show is to assist people in making changes in their life through supportive guidance Um, and hopefully a bit of inspiration. So if you feel like you're in a crisis or need professional help, um, I've left some information in the show notes just for you, a phone number to the US uh, lifeline, suicide lifeline um, and stuff like that. So uh, how to listen. If you want to share this show with friends or anyone you think may find some value in it, that helps. You can listen live each week on the Voice America Network. There's a link directly to that. Also, on the show page of my coffeewithjamie.com website, or after the live broadcast every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific time, the episodes are all posted to places you listen to your favorite podcasts. For example, maybe you use the Google Podcasts on your Android phone. You can search for Coffee with Jamie or Jamie Finney, and you should find the show. And like everything else I just threw at you, there are a few um, links to podcast apps right there on my show page coffeewithjamie.com. So be sure to join me next week for episode eight through, um, oh yeah, to join me next week. I was going to say for episodes eight through 13, we're going to play with the format a little bit. We're going to recap the six steps through some more of my own stories. I love throwing out the ask me anything format as well. So ask me anything. Um, I'll be drawing 
a lot from my Q&A blog. Um, any questions I receive from you, the listeners, through email, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, we'll incorporate those if you know with your permission. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm really having a lot of fun. When you reach out, it makes it even more awesome. So thank you so much for joining me. I will catch you next week for another cup of coffee with Jamie. That's me, Jamie Finney. All right. Take care. I'll see you next week. Thank you for taking the time for Coffee with Jamie. Please join Jamie Finney again next Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time for another cup of discussion and wisdom on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll see you then. 